So I'm a big space geek and techno geek. I I just love futuristic things that are coming our way. But every time I see Elon Musk and he's talking about going to Mars and then he talks to you know just his own presentation, let alone all the people that are around him, I realize, you know, while everybody's like, hey, would you go to Mars? They're not going to ask me because they're not smart enough to go to Mars. You got to be really super smart. So we'll be left behind. But one guy who won't be left behind is Bill Whittle. Bill is this really smart, smart guy that every time I see him and watch him, I think, and I wish I was smart like that. He's a pilot. I think he's like a test pilot. He was a space enthusiast. He wanted to be an astronaut when he was like five. He grew up in the generation, as I did, of space adventures. People I know now that are millennials, their space was the Challenger. That was their first memory. Apollo 11. I was four when that happened. But I remember men walking on the moon, and it was unbelievable. He has put together this great podcast that I want you to watch. It's called Apollo 11, What We Saw. Apollo 11, this is Houston. Welcome to Apollo 11 Mission Control, the space race. 12 years of open warfare between two superpowers. The United States and the Soviet Union. 50 years ago, mankind first set foot upon the moon. You owe it to yourself and to history to experience the space age and see how it took hundreds of small steps to get to that one giant leap. I'm Bill Whittle, and this is What We Saw. We don't even know half of the stories. 50 years ago, Neil Armstrong and Buzz Aldrin became the first men to walk on the moon. The mission that got them there was Apollo 11, and it was the culmination of this insane idea that started with President Kennedy, who said, yeah, you know what? In 10 years, what do you say we go to the moon? Nobody had thought about that. Put a man on the moon and bring him back. And in Apollo 11, most people don't know, it was the bringing them back part that almost didn't happen. Bill takes you back to the time to experience what it felt like to the millions of Americans and the billions around the world who actually got to live through one of the greatest endeavors mankind has ever attempted, putting men on the moon. Make sure you subscribe to Apollo 11, what we saw on Apple Podcasts or wherever you listen to podcasts. And if you like it, please rate and review. Today's podcast features a human tornado. He is an unstoppable force. He's a provocateur. He's a comedian. I think he's really, really funny. A lot has been written about the two of us. Almost all of it is wrong. He is extremely well-read and very, very smart. He is the co-founder of Vice. He made millions until, I guess, he was too offensive for Vice. Then he became a comedian, started an ad agency. We worked together for about three days at the blaze will address the biggest elephant in the room what happened when he left his biography and his history is truly remarkable i'm not sure how much of it we're going to be able to get in just this podcast because he is a fly by the seat of his pants kind of guy a truly remarkable man and at the center of history right now and very funny gavin mcginnis This 
is the first time we've ever sat down with each other. Nick. It is. Yeah. I've been on your show a couple times. Yeah. I've never seen you before. You're tall. You're not. Well, don't make me sound diminutive. 5'11", <laughs> well, normal American yeah. person. Right. Eh, 5'11", yeah, I guess maybe. You tall people always say that. Yeah. Jeez. You know, if you're in the fives, you're it's kind like of in the girl. Gays. You're like gays. Gays <laughs> always say everyone's basically gay. And you don't know they're not. They go, oh, yeah, I know. you can tell he's a little gay. I'm like, no, he's not at all. <laughs> How are you a little gay? I, I don't know. They just they I mean, have a distorted view of the yeah. world, and tall people are the same. They right. go, oh, five eleven. No, I think the average is like six one. Six one is a giant. <laughs> six Not one really. is a freak. Not really. Six one hates flying. Yeah, because his knees are up by his face. Well, that's true. Well, that's if true. you're uncomfortable on a plane, you're not normal. Planes are no. planes. Everyone's are, are, they're uncomfortable. They're designed for the the norm. No, no they're not. What do you think? It's they're a little just, dwarf plane? <laughs> yes. No. They'll take it away until when you're all just standing it, up. Like what's like a normal person? And then someone went five eleven. All right, I'll make it like a five eleven chair. And then the six <laughs> one beast is like, what the hell? How do I get in this thing? How are you? I'm good. Why did you say it that way? I don't know. I had a, my wife and I had a fight last night. So I, uh, I'm trying, I'm a very honest person. Mm -hmm. So that's bothering me. And the fight was about you, 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 what you do, isn't it? Or how you sort of, sort of, I mean, we moved to a very shishi neighborhood and were the coneheads in it. <laughs> and I don't care. I thought the coneheads was a funny movie. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> and I like being hated a little bit. It's funny to me. I mean, and isn't that part of being an adult? Like when you're a teen, you go to a party and you're like, oh, I don't know what to do with my arms. Yeah. So I remember being jealous. We would go to these punk shows as kids and you're never cool enough for punk, especially when you're 15. Mm -hmm. And me and my buddy Steve used to joke around about how awesome it must be to have no arms because you just walk into the place <laughs> and you're not uncomfortable because you can't do anything with your arms. Right. But when you have arms, you're like, right. Right. <laughs> Get these things off right. of me. <laughs> or if you're handcuffed or right. something, like, I'm not awkward, I'm handcuffed. Right. <laughs> but then you get to be like 25 and you go, I hope everyone at this party hates me. I hope we, we used to clear out parties. Me and my buddy Derek, he'd have a clipboard that didn't exist and he'd be my dance coach. And I'd be like doing these stupid modern dance things and he'd be going, more feeling, let's get it out. Come on, he'd tie a sweater around. And we'd wreck the house and people could just go, let's get out of here. These guys are a nightmare. And we'd be in an empty room. So what are you? Are you a comedian? Uh, I'm a pundit. I don't know what I am. It, it's... It's an, a, unique, a unique position to be in because I think I'm a pundit by by proxy. I, I was in comedy and entertainment and I was, you know, did Vice for 15 years. Co-founder of Vice. Yes. Yeah. Created it, really. I mean, mm -hmm. they did the Shane did the sales and Saroosh handled the music and I did the culture. Mm -hmm. um, but as soon as you start questioning the left then you're not 100% with them. And if you're not 100% with them, you're 100% against them. Mm -hmm. So shortly after leaving Vice, you know, I was doing comedy videos and pitching TV shows where I was welcome and did a ton of pilots and stuff and movies and books. And then they started realizing that I don't like the government and they <laughs> cut you off. So I, I can't go to a pitch room in LA anymore. And so- So wait, 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 before, before you get there, how is it- that 
people who who used to say, don't trust the man, don't trust anyone over 30, don't trust the government. They're now so pro-government. They're saying Donald Trump is a fascist. We got to get rid of all of the guns. Mm-hmm. <laughs> I, I mean, it's so it hurts. There's so much gentle, uh, I mean, a mental gymnast in in the liberal heads. No, I don't. I don't understand it's how the opposite. It, it's mental obesity. We are living in an incurious zenith right mm. now where people have just like North Koreans. They're just fed this crap. The government realized that they can accrue a lot of power by starting the whole Nazi myth and saying white supremacy is everywhere. Everyone's a Nazi. And the more fear they instill with that, the more power they get. You think the government started that? Is that kind of like the the DNC is behind this? I think I think a lot of you mean the political parties and the the left. Yeah. 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 And the Antifa are, 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 you know, uh, uh, what's the word? Easy fools. Uh, useful it is. Um, and I think there, the, when you're incurious, you're an easy target to, for manipulation. Mm-hmm. And I think half of the country has been manipulated. I mean, within the liberals, we were talking about this earlier, but I think there's like this sliver of radicals, like, like the, what were they called? I always confuse them with wasabi sauce. The Wahhabis. (laughs) (laughs) Wasabi. They're spicy on your tuna (laughs) and they're spicy on your religion. So take it easy with that. Little dose of Wahhabi. One will blow you up, the other might burn your tongue. (laughs) I feel like my nose is going to blow up from that Wahhabi. (laughs) So they, they took over Islam and ruined it but you know the the moderate muslims are still people you want to grab a coffee with because it won't be a beer <laughs> and with the left they've let these radicals take over and antifa ilhan omar they've so, polluted the whole left right you said the antifa is a uh, uh useful idiot yeah, the but paramilitary I, wing of the dnc but i wonder if it's not going to end up that the dnc were useful idiots because it for seems Antifa? for the extreme left, for the people who uh, want to stop a free market, uh, want to blow up the system and have direct democracy, which we know that what that'll lead to. I mean, I think Nancy Pelosi, I mean, she's afraid of those people now. She's afraid of yeah. AOC. You know and what the- it's like? Remember in Iran at the, in the revolution, I think the communists said to the Muslim clerics, just stay here and sit on that bench and run the government as, mm-hmm. a, as a, just a little toy, mm-hmm. like as a placeholder while I fight these people on the streets. And then the commies were done and they said, OK, Muslims move. Uh, we're taking over the government now. And they said, no. Right. We're staying here. Right. And I think that's what's happening. Terrorizing their own people. Look at the, the, the riots in the streets in Iran with the where the woman didn't want to wear the hijab in mm-hmm. 1981. Right. Right. That's what's happening with the DNC now is I they mean, accidentally I, let these people in. Yeah, yeah, Joe Biden is their enemy. Barack Obama. <laughs> yes. Barack Obama is their enemy now. He didn't go far enough. Well, I Hillary mean, is never going to win with them. Well, I don't know. Hillary shouldn't win with anybody. Right, but I'm saying, like, but she's, yeah. she's a radical and she's yeah. not radical enough. She says we're not civil. She says Antifa rhetoric and they hate her for being too mainstream. And I was saying this earlier that they, they hate MLK. He's too much of a white male to them. Well, he's, he has the one line that everybody thinks of MLK saying, and that is judge me by the content of my character. That's not part of the left. You have to destroy that. 
Yeah, you meritocracy have is right wing. Yeah. And, and, and I think it's interesting that it was the biography of the biographer of Martin Luther King, the one that Coretta and everybody says, oh, this is him. It was it was that guy that about six months ago came out and nobody knew what to do with it, uh, came out with a story that he has evidence that the FBI has tape and transcripts of Martin Luther King witnessing and doing nothing at a rape and being part of an orgy. Now, here's the guy that the King family has said he's the authority on Martin Luther King. He's coming out now. And saying that, some people just think, oh, he's just being honest. I wonder if that's not well-timed. Yeah, that uh, does sound sinister. Well, wasn't there a thing, though, with the Freedom of Information Act where it's been whatever no, it's been? No, it's not. That, that is not coming out until 2028. Ah, okay. So he says he won't have access to it until 2028. So we don't know if it exists, um, but it's interesting that it's a strong lefty that is coming out with that at the time when Americans, well, I shouldn't say Americans, when the left doesn't want to hear about content of character. Yeah, I, I don't want to get too Alex Jonesy, but I know that what is going on right now is largely inorganic. Yes. And at my talk on October 12th, I did a talk at the Manhattan Republican Club, basically a comedy set. I can't even go to comedy clubs anymore. So I do my talk. So you go to the Republican club. <laughs> yes. Oh, yeah. It was hilarious. Same crowd. <laughs> I had my Japanese friend there. He, he represented the head of the Jap Japan Socialist Party in 1960. And then I came out as a student who killed that guy, Otoya Yamaguchi, <laughs> mm -hmm. with a Asian glasses on and a plastic sword. And I assassinate him the same way the socialist was assassinated. Mm -hmm. Clearly satirical, though the left tries to make everything. They, they, they're incapable of humor anymore. Um, did the talk. I've done a talk there tons of times and there's never anything happening. But this is right when the left was were being known as unhinged and violent. Have we already talked about this? Mm -mm. And I think they needed to switch the narrative and they needed right wing violence. So they kept antagonizing everyone there looking for a fight. They eventually got one mm -hmm. when they ambushed guys on the way home. But um, the, the crazy thing about that that evening was the attack was so frantic like they were calling the old lady who runs the place the sweet old lady calling her the c-word saying they're going to rape her calls from all over the country uh they've smashed the windows glued the locks really m silly manifesto stuck to the door about we will not tolerate american barbarism and then they had all my signs and here's the weird part on the signs it was like gavin mckinnis is a fascist they spelled my name wrong <laughs> now that's not just a typo like if I say Glenn Beck is the most dangerous thing to the in the country and I spell it with one N, I'm clearly not familiar with the guy. Mm -hmm. Like I, if I see Glenn Beck with one N, that should look weird to me because I've seen the name a million times. Mm -hmm. If you've never seen the name, you use one N. Mm -hmm. And here's another curious thing. And by the way, those signs are beautiful, like really well designed, which is not something the far left is known for. <laughs> really? Yes. Wait. They usually use the period blood or something <laughs> and say, him suck. Yeah. <laughs> but there was this, this big, long canvas thing that had white supremacy written out and crossed out. But the letters had been embroidered on with like a different colored fabric. And then the X was another different colored fabric, beautifully sewn on the way like it would say the Mets on the back right. of your jacket. Right. Uh, and I'm looking at a $7,000 piece of canvas that I'm not even sure I could have made. I mean, mm -hmm. I'd have to send it to China or something. So this is just some 
kids getting together to fight fascism? It's it's remarkable. And you know that they are getting money from the left. There are those supporters that are getting money. And the the media will call you a conspiracy theorist the minute you ne- mention a name like George Soros. But at the same time, they'll mention like the Koch brothers. And, th- and that's not a conspiracy. Yeah. But for anybody on the left getting money, it is a conspiracy. Well, we're not playing by the rules anymore is the problem. And, and I think another big problem is the conservative movement is sort of like England in the revolution when they see savages jumping from the trees with a bunch of French guys and Scots and Irish, and they still keep going, hut, hut, hut. <laughs> Meanwhile, they get a knife in their back. Right. And I think that the right keeps pussing out. I mean, this company, no offense, got a little bit scared because Antifa was attacking me. And during all this October 12th flurry, same with people with the canvas sign start antagonizing, you know, the staff and the top brass and mm-hmm. they buckle. And like, I know of 35, I have a list I put together, 35 Proud Boys who were fired. And this was a company getting a bunch of calls and just going, you're fired. Mm-hmm. Like get a bunch of calls. However, there's another side to that coin. Sometimes the antagonism can become so intense. Like there was this tattoo shop in Hamilton where the owner said to the guy, Look, uh, they're boycotting the tattoo shop. Uh, they're, anti- they're terrorizing all the patrons. So we're going under. You tell me what to do. Should we both go down with the ship and I close the tattoo shop and move? Or should I fire you and try to maintain the business? And that, that guy just said, well, I'll leave. I don't want right. to drag down the whole tattoo shop. Right. you on several times uh, because I thought that you had made an important discovery, I think, that there was a time, I think, in your career where you were just whatever, you know, you're a comedian and you were just whatever. And then there was this point where you realize, crap, this is getting really serious. And, And I was there. I remember... Um, I got my first real death threats where people were actually trying to carry it out. And I remember always having to wear a bulletproof vest and they ran my car off the road. It was crazy. And I remember thinking to myself, I'm going to be really careful on what I say, not because I'm not, I'm not going to buckle under, but I'm not willing to die for the things that are a joke. You know what I mean? And I think you, you kind of hit that place where you're not buckling under, but you, you, you're not willing to die for the things that you don't believe that are just jokes. Yeah, and there I don't is know if no that's true. Really? Like, I thought you were saying two different th- things at the beginning there. I definitely with Vice had a pure hedonism mentality, right? right? The world's going to burn. September 11th happened. I changed forever. Mm-hmm. I read Death of the West by Pappy Cannon that mm-hmm. year. Um, and I just started saying, wait, what's been going on here? Right. I mean, I was always anti-government libertarian, but Mm -hmm. then I started worrying about Islam and this sort of self-hatred ethnomasochism that the Mm -hmm. West has. Mm -hmm. And I, I started realizing we have to stop being ashamed and start being proud of who we are 
and showing that. And then also with feminism, as I got older, I started seeing all these spinsters, all these 40-something, 30-somethings, girls say, what have I done? And I realized, wait a minute, this traditional family life that we've been eschewing all these years has incredible merit, especially when you see the plan B is misery and depression and becoming a booty call. That's the funny thing about the left. There's these days, there's no plan B. I want to remove the patriarchy for what? A matriarchy? Paganism? No, nothing. No borders, no wall, no USA at all. And you go, well, that's not an improvement. Right. Like at least Palestine wants to take over Israel and make it theirs. Right. They don't want to just obliterate everything. And these leftists are far more radical than a lot of radical Muslims. So I changed my course on that. But as far as humor goes, I can't stop it. I remember I was a class clown as a kid. I even took the short bus and I was in the class for special kids because (laughs) that's where they just put everyone. There was a kid in that class, by the way, who had cancer and her grades were fine. The teachers just didn't want to look at her bald head. So she was, it was like the Island of Misfit Toys. And only the vast majority of them had mental problems. The rest were just ugly or had a problem or were too tall. <laughs> but uh, I remember sitting on my hand saying, don't be the class clown. Dad is furious. He's Scottish. They're very, you don't want to make them angry. And I just couldn't stop. And I still can't stop. Like at this talk we did on Saturday at the DC Free Speech Rally, my daughter won these rubber handcuffs that are super stretchy. And I just couldn't resist doing this joke where I came out handcuffed and it was really serious at the beginning saying, they think they can chain us down. They think they can hold us back. They think they can handcuff us and stop our voices. Well, we're here to tell them that we defy their chains. We break their chains. And then it goes, wow, wow. <laughs> and then I'm trying to break, wow. And even the guys on the right behind me didn't get it and assumed that I didn't realize that rubber doesn't smash oh. like glass. One guy even came up and helped me. And I'm like, dude, that's my prop that you broke. <laughs> I was going to do a callback to that. And now it's gone. <laughs> and I said, you know, my daughter helped me write that bit. I thought it was a little too carrot top. And uh, of course, you know, the conservative gadflies, the... The pests that swarm around all these things, uh, huffing the post and BuzzFeed, they go, Gavin came out with these handcuffs he meant to break as a symbol and he couldn't even break them. And then Milo comes out dressed as Laura Loomer with fake tits so, and they go, vicious attack on Loomer. But aren't they friends? Yes. Clearly, you're not <laughs> going to attack the person right there right. who's on after you. Right. Although that would be pretty funny to do. <laughs> But they are the, the, you know, before I became polarized, I would get credit for doing things that were funny or smart that I never intended. That I was like, and you stand there and you're like, yes. So you're not Mr. Cohesion anymore? You're not bringing all together Kumbaya anymore? No, I am trying to bring people together. Yeah. That's how what I I see your identity is. Right, right, right. But but I'm saying before I was before I was before I was on Fox. Okay, I get credit for things that I didn't that I didn't mean that way or was I didn't mean it to be funny and it turned out to be funny. Then once you become a force to be reckoned with, then you will be blamed and they will that nothing is funny that you do. You'll never get credit for funny that you, of course, didn't mean that is a humorous thing and nothing is smart. So you, you are in this, you're in this opposite world where I don't think 
people didn't understand it a few years ago. And now I think regular people are starting to understand this deep personizing, if you will, where you're not even a person anymore. Well, it's clearly a tactic and it has nothing to do with hate or promoting violence. It has to do with us being effective. And that's bad because it might get Trump reelected, mm-hmm. which is ironic because you seem to hate him so much. <laughs> but anyone on the right who's charming or has an audience and isn't an obvious villain, they are very scared of. And that's why you get banned. And I was thinking about it the other day and I go, what makes me effective? And what did I do that was so dangerous? And I think a lot of it was pride, not white pride, but Western pride, yes. which by the way, is the opposite of identity politics mm-hmm. and says any race come here mm-hmm. and thrive. Um, and the, the pride in the truth of what makes us successful. Exactly. The West is the best. Well, you said it yourself. What was it in the, in that book, miracles and massacres where you said the, it was either the little guys doing it their own way or the little guys doing it wrong because they listen to the big guys. I'm mm. paraphrasing you terribly there. Yeah. But like Wounded Knee was going fine until they were told to take the guns away from right, the prisoners. Right, from the government. Right. Um, so, and by the way, through all those horrible things, slavery and the Civil War and everything, it was rough, you know? But we figured it all out together, and here we are. That's why I hate these statues being taken down. Yes, that was that guy. Maybe that guy was pro-slavery. Not all Confederates were. Mm. But uh, by removing that history, you're, you're removing the part that we all struggled through checks and balances and horrible things and big mistakes like Jim Crow. And we finally got here, which is not perfect, but it's the best. So the, you know, the and only, you're erasing all that. Yeah. The, the only thing, you know, Nathan Bedford Forrest, he was he was a nightmare. He was a nightmare. He was skinning people and putting their skins up on on barns. So you can say, OK, you know, that and founding of the KKK probably shouldn't have a statue. But generally, uh, some of the other Confederates that were not necessarily was an honorable man. He was an honorable man. But we live in this world where it's black or white. Yeah. You can't have. That's what you I mean can't about have the incurious leader. stuff. You know, they're so weak. That way. I saw a video. It just broke my heart of Johnny Rebel being taken down and the way that they ripped him off a giant pedestal and the way he fell in this sort of, I don't know what it was, copper or whatever, just goes, Honk! and he's all twisted and they're kicking mm-hmm. him. Johnny Rebel was conscripted. Like the the archetype of Johnny Rebel, isn't this like, I want more slavery. (laughs) It was a guy who was forced to go to war, got shrapnel in his knee or whatever. That became gangrenous and infected. And he died alone on a battlefield somewhere. It's an homage to the men who die for us. And they're tearing it down because he's a Nazi. It's just disgusting. So I think I was one of the first people to say, like, I'm done with apologizing. I'm done with the shame thing. The West is the best. I'm really proud of what we did here. The Proud Boys were our patriots who love Trump and love America. And they recognized, by the way, when he says make America great again, he's not talking about slavery. He's talking about 1985. Jet skis, mullets, wraparound sunglasses, <laughs> that Budweiser dog, <laughs> that funny looking pit bull. I'm not sure that's exactly what he's talking about. He means like rock and roll, big cell phones, all that stuff. And America is but We're in a we cycle. America is at best. What was happening in 1985 is we were in the me cycle. And when you're in the me cycle, the leadership 
everybody's about me, me, me. And we think that's bad, but it's good for society because the leader can't get everybody together and go, we, we, we should do this to them, them, them. (laughs) You know what I mean? You're describing my tattoos. Luxury employed a million of the poor and odious pride a million more. Envy itself and vanity were ministers of industry. All of this stuff that we vilify is... Great for the economy. Yes. Great for America. And great for people. Yes. Hitler was a we. Mussolini was a we. Stalin was a we. Reagan was a me. Yes. And when when you empower the individual, that's when everything changes. Well, and also when you empower the individual, you're you're usurping the power from big government, big tech, Mm -hmm. academia, the the top brass of the police, not the not the rank and file. And I think that the left hates that more than anything. Hate has a home there Mm. because shame is a great way to manipulate people. And you think of uh, academia and and leftist culture, I'd say mainstream American culture is predicated on shame now and has been for a long time. And if you go to any college, you'll see that when white males get up or any male, really, they have to say, hi, I'm a middle class, able-bodied white male. And I'm obviously coming from a place of privilege. So I understand that what I'm about to say has less merit than someone uh, who's a minority status. They all say that caveat. That is crazy. It's almost like a sex offender having to register where he lives. They say that caveat and then they say, where's the bathroom? Or whatever, you know, and that goes to kindergarten. My kids are learning about how Columbus Day is wrong. And we need Indigenous Peoples Day and we stole this land from the Indians and it was built on slavery. And those are just facts. Not we fought with the Indians for 400 years and eventually won. And with slavery, the balance sheet was zero after the Civil War. So whatever was built was gone. And the Native Americans didn't free their slaves. They had eight out of every eight people on Native American reservations, there was one slave. For every eight people, really? one I didn't slave. Know that. And the Emancipation Proclamation, uh, nor the 13th Amendment, applies to the reservations. They didn't free their slaves till 1880. <laughs> <laughs> well, you can't vilify them for that. No vilification of anyone. No. But the winners. Right. And I don't like shame. I tried it. It doesn't feel good. No, it doesn't. I don't like apologizing. I'm happy to debate. And the- it's 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 what we went through in some degree um, in the 1970s with uh, with Jimmy Carter. Yeah. Where we were told we weren't great. And that causes somebody like a Reagan or a Trump to stand up because nobody wants to feel that way all the time. Nobody. Because it's not true. It's you know, I, I'm a huge fan of that's uh, the part that gets me is I'm, I'm up for whatever's true. Right. Me too. I'm a huge fan of Winston Churchill. Until you read about him in India, okay? Or South Africa. Yeah, and Gandhi in South Africa. You read, you read both, both things. Over here in, in uh, India, he was not a good guy. In the West, he was a good guy. So which one is he? He's both. Right. He's both. We all are both. The country is both. But all we're focusing on is the bad. That gets us nowhere. We're going to throw all of the good out. Along with the bad and, and leave you with what? With what? Is it fixable? I was talking to Roger Stone this morning and uh, I, he said, how'd the rally go? Uh, he couldn't go because they revoked his travel permit at the last second. Um, and uh, I said, I don't know why I do these things. Is it good for free speech or does it just give the left more fodder? There's a riot with Proud Boys and Antifa. Is that helping anyone? Uh, 
And he said the Proud Boys are irrevocable. Their their reputation is ruined. They should just disband and then start with a new name because they'll always be the Nazi That's group. The left does. No matter how black, if you show them the black guys and they go, it's multiracial white supremacy, which is my favorite term of the past two years. <laughs> and this story I keep repeating, but it really struck me. I was drinking in a bar for a change. I sometimes go to these things called bars. And uh, the wine salesman was selling all the wines. And he goes, this is a South African wine. And the bartender, I know him, good guy. He goes, I'm not interested in South African wines. And the guy goes, okay. You know, he doesn't want to hurt the sale, puts them away. And I didn't bring it up, but he obviously said that because he sees South Africa as racist. Right now, they're boiling children alive. They're taking power drills to old ladies. They're murdering a man's entire family, these white farmers, and then leaving him alive so he'll kill himself. It's the most sadistic. If it was in a horror movie, you'd say this movie's over the top. And uh, this guy, this bartender, and I, I would argue probably the vast majority of Americans, maybe even Westerners, still see South Africa as Soweto apartheid 1982. Now, it was over in what, 83? That, that was all those decades ago, mm-hmm. more than a quarter century ago. Mm-hmm. And South Africa will never shake that. And that's why there's so much apathy to the murders going on there. They go, whatever, racists, good, another racist died. And so if Americans can't update the archetype from 1983 to, to I don't think it's just Americans. I think it's the world. The world, the West. The West is uh the West is just upside down on on almost everything. I mean, I've never I've never, you know, I read uh, Manuel Kant back in the 90s, and he said, um, there are many things that I believe that I shall never say, but I shall never say the things that I do not believe. Huh. And I thought to myself, what kind of world are you living in where you have to say that? And I couldn't imagine it. This is 1995. Right. It's this one. Oh, we're here. It's this one. Even liberals, they will get drunk and whisper to me horrible things that they've thought. Like one guy told me recently that he was in a park and there was a little boy playing baseball. And he said, I'll play with you because the kid was, didn't have anyone to play with. So they're throwing a ball back and forth. And then the two lesbian mothers came up to him and said, thanks. We don't think of stuff like that. I don't know how to play baseball. Sometimes we worry that we've deprived him of something major here. And he goes, I would never tell that story in public in a million years. Because he's a, a popular left-wing that's comedian. A, that's important. It's I, a true anecdote, I, too. I, I know. I, I work with a, a woman who has a child with her, um, her spouse's woman. They say the same thing. I don't know what to do. There is a difference between men and women. They don't, I didn't know what to do with my girls. I have three girls. I'm lost. They're crying at stuff. And I'm like, I have no idea. And my wife just right. looks at me like, what the hell are you thinking? I'm Go like, talk to I her. don't know. I did. What she knows nothing. <laughs> right. It's not like you sit down with your 12 year old and say, what's going on? And she goes, okay, here's the real problem here. So right. I like this boy and he doesn't <laughs> right. like me at all. And I feel like I was more popular last year, but a lot of the girls now don't like me as much because right. I had a fight with this girl, Jennifer. And Jen- <laughs> they just go, oh no. Yeah. You gotta, and my son. You got to give them heroin. Right. So they get sort of droopy and go, here's what's really <laughs> going on, Dad. <laughs> That's my new parenting tip. But my son, I know exactly what he's thinking. Yeah. You know? Because I've been there. I can see it. I can see it in him. My wife cannot see it in my son. She doesn't relate to my son on those 
troubled times. I do. My daughter, I can't relate to on those troubled times. My wife looks at me like I'm an alien. There's a difference. There's yes. a difference. And that's what's so great about moms and dads yes. together. We're there for the for both sides, you know. And there's nothing wrong as long as we can talk to what's the problem for a lesbian to say, I, I mean, well, I don't. It benefits the kids when we get this yes. out in the open. I yes. had a lesbian couple I know say, I said, you ever going to adopt? And she goes, no way. This, this craziness going on there, I would never subject that to a kid. And when she said craziness, she meant being this unusual, a lesbian. It's, I mean, it's literally in the dictionary definition of not normal, right? I'm not saying it's bad, but as far as statistics go, it's not the, the norm. Wow. I can't even say that. that. You can't say that. Listen to me trip over my own words. I know. And she could never say that. Why can't she say that? You know, what's his name? Dan Savage, that gay activist in San Francisco. He had a book out. My wife is a fag hag and uh, I was reading it. I don't think you can say that either. (laughs) But it's a compliment. (laughs) She likes fags. So much she's a hag for them. (laughs) I don't think think the hag part of that sentence is the problem. and it was uh, the chapter I don't want DJ to read. And DJ was his kid, is his kid. He adopted a kid. And in the chapter, he goes, and when we got him, I was just like, well, I didn't really feel anything. And I thought, what have we done here? What are we doing? So he's talking about it to his insulated world of gay activists who can say, you know, fag and have mm-hmm. their own little bubble. But when we restrict speech, we restrict progress. And those lesbian stories are important for everyone to know. I think when a celebrity ODs and they say he passed, what was he on? How many opioids did he take? Why was he taking them? For how long? You know, Philip Seymour Hoffman had his own apartment where he would do heroin because he didn't want the kids to see the needles and stuff. How long did he have that apartment? Why are we putting him on the cover of Rolling Stone, wiping Drake away so we can have the junkie over there? Mm-hmm. We have an opioid epidemic in this country. It's funny that we're always looking for Nazis. Who's the white supremacist? That guy said something that I could construe that way. He made an analogy that was sort of Nazi-ish. So they're looking for typos, really, in your behavior. Meanwhile, who doesn't know a kid who has died of an opioid overdose? I mean, I can think of three just off the top of my head now, like bartender's son, uh, my engineer's best friend, um, the neighbor down the street, rich kids, poor kids. So that's real deaths. I think there's, I forget the exact numbers, but it's something like, oh, forget it. I'm going to get the number wrong, but it's like a hundred a month or something. It's, I forget the exact stat, but. These are real deaths, real issues. How many blacks are murdered by blacks a day? I think it's something like 18. But you're talking about some sheriff who said an, uh, an unfortunate joke in the 80s, like the guy from NASCAR who lost his sponsorship because his dad said the N-word 30 years ago. Their priorities are misaligned. Mm-hmm. You're looking for homophobia, racism, sexism, child pornography. Check out radical Islam. Check out whatever happened to this story where there was a, a Muslim encampment, a compound, and two children were starved to death as some kind of bizarre punishment. That story just poof, vanished. Well, there's two of those. Yeah. There was one that vanished a year before. And then the other one, same group, same scenario, poof. Poof. They're all, and there's something like 20 of them across the country. And they all worship the same imam in Pakistan who started the whole thing. Why is the media totally silent on this? Why are they such pussies? There's so many stories. Because they don't believe in us. 
No, they think they're better than us. This yeah. is what I hate about socialists. They play God. I'll mm-hmm. decide who eats and who gets mm-hmm. how much. And every time we, we try to play God, mm-hmm. he put a check and balance in there for that. Mm-hmm. And it's called Mao killing 80 million people and Stalin killing 30 million and Hitler killing 6 million. That's what happens when you decide to take over. And they sit, that's what the media does now. They sit there and they go, I'm going to control the information because we, I don't want another Rodney King. So mm-hmm. if you get too much truth, you might riot and it might lead to hate crimes. So I'm going to dole it out. And they start censoring stories. I was listening to the CBC the other day and uh, this guy was trying to explain that let's say global warming is totally true and all your stats are accurate. China's building a new coal plant like every week. Oh yeah. So no matter what we do, it'll be totally tsunamied by their pollution. Mm -hmm. And as he was saying this, the journalist was talking over him and saying, I don't think we need to get to that. I'm not sure where you're getting your facts and was drowning out his. Oh, that's absolutely true. And he said, he said, I'm going to keep saying this sentence when you can cut me off, do whatever you want. And he kept plowing through her as she spoke over him. Or Fareed Zakaria the other day. I can't stop talking now. (laughs) Fareed Zakaria the other day, he goes, it pains me to say that Trump's, I don't know, foreign policy is being, is effective or something like that. It pains me. It should be good. (laughs) You're in physical pain reporting the news. Right. You said, you said earlier, you know, how much you hate Trump. I actually don't. I really was against Trump. I'm not a never Trumper, never was a never Trumper. I was against Trump because of his record when he was running. He had none. Right. And every indication was that's not what he actually believes. And every indication from past experience with politicians, none of them say what they believe or right. will do. So when this guy was making these claims, I'm thinking this is not his record. He's always given money to the left. I don't think he's going to do any of those things. But I said at the time. But if he does, I'll be the first to admit that I'm wrong. I admitted that I was wrong on Trump. He started doing things that he said he was going to do. And I'm like, huh, never. No idea. No idea. Didn't think he'd do that. The Kavanaugh thing. No president in history would have. Well, in modern history would have stood that long for Kavanaugh. He stood all the way through. That guy has balls of steel, (laughs) balls of steel. And at least when he says he's going to do stuff, he lies about crap all the time. But when he says, I'm going to do this and this and this, I believe him. Yeah, I believe him. And his policies, foreign policies are effective because I've always said I want a president with a twitchy eye. I want one that's like, and you know what? And his eye is twitching a bit. And you're like. That son of a bitch might just shoot us down right now. You know what I mean? Yeah. I didn't want one that the American people were like, I don't know, man, he might kill us all. But he has that twitchy eye. Yeah. For the enemies, they look at him and they're like, he's crazy enough to do it. That's why our foreign policy is working. And a lot of cultures deeply respect a pit bull. Especially they, they in deeply the respect strength. Middle East, absolutely. Especially in the Middle East. I think, I think Palestine thinks Israel's wall is cool deep down. I think they're impressed deep down because it's such a show of strength. Mm-hmm. That they go, whoa, that was kind of badass. Wow. Yeah. You guys are really playing hard there's not a, now. There's, there's not a single hero in the Middle East that was... Uh, you know, Lawrence of Arabia, that was a Muhammad himself changed halfway through the Quran. Yeah. I mean, there's not, there's no, there's no heroes in the Middle East that weren't conquerors. They understand conquerors. Just a different culture. Yeah. 
But you know what's crazy about what you say? That you look at uh, Israel with Trump and moving the embassy to Jerusalem. And at one point, 100% of his adult children were in relationships with Jews. Ivanka converts to Orthodox Judaism. No, but he's a Nazi. <laughs> <laughs> and you see, there's so much hatred with secular Jews, not Orthodox Jews, but secular Jews in, in mm-hmm. America. I saw this website. I think it's called We've Seen This Before.com. And it's Jewish people against Trump. And it makes me wonder. Can the left ever be assaged? I mean, look at, we're talking about Iran earlier. If part of your bang is coming out of your hijab, you're, yeah. you're getting caned. Yeah. So, and your socks are purple. I can see them. Well, they're doing everything you ask for. They're wearing a burqa. They're praying every day. They're reading the Quran, but we can see some bang. So they're literally insatiable. And I feel it's that way with the left. Like with you, will you ever not be a Nazi in Martha's Vineyard when no. you're 85? No. Will South Africa ever not be Soweto apartheid? No. Will Trump ever not be an anti-Semite or a homophobe? Where did they get the homophobia from? The guy put, uh, what's his name, uh, on the stage. Uh, he was a major investor, uh, uh, Facebook uh, original investor. Oh, crap, what's his name? Peter Thiel. Peter Thiel. Right. He puts Peter Thiel on stage. The first openly gay speaker, I think, at a GOP convention, and he puts him in a prominent place, and he's he's open about it, and everybody is cool with it, and somehow or another he's homophobic. What what does this president have to do? He's the only he's the first president to campaign to be for same sex marriage. He was fine yes, with it. Exactly. Obama was against it, Hillary was against right. it. And I think Trump's biggest crime is he doesn't really care about gays. Like they're not there or not there. They're sort of like, shouldn't that where we should, we should all be about people's sexuality. Why aren't you talking about my acronyms? Right. And he goes, I don't know. I just, I don't really, I'm not big into dancing or fashion. So I don't see you guys around that much. I'm a (laughs) golf guy. You guys tend not to go near golf. (laughs) (laughs) And they're pissed. So it makes me wonder why are we doing our jobs? Like, are we, if we're not bringing people together and, you know, dispelling myths, should we just be partisan? And give up? No, you you have to stand and dispel myths. I don't I, 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 I don't know. And I've looked through history, Gavin. I don't know of somebody who has been in the position of media, not not a leader. OK, but in the position of media that has stood at a time where it's a it's a me generation and it's a me movement uh-huh. or I'm sorry, a we movement. Right. Um, that has been successful in threading the needle of. Of standing against the we in favor of the I and has has not just. Destroyed themselves and been used <laughs> as, you know, it, so it just why are we doing it? Because it seems it's to right. me, if you look at history, the only way you go from me to we and from we to we to me is violent revolution in the streets. And we saw that in, in D.C. two days I'm not, ago. I'm not sure. I think that you see I think that's their solution for it. And it may ultimately be the solution, um, you know, as it was with slavery. I mean, it just you, you got to a point where we have to we got to fight. We gotta fight. <laughs> um, and I hope we don't get to that. But I think. That the left, no, I shouldn't say this. I think the Democrats are starting to wake up and go, and wait, wait a minute, wait a minute. What? 
We're for what now? I think some of them are starting to wake up. You're seeing it with the, you know, intellectual dark web a bit to where these guys are liberals, but they're classical liberals. Yeah, but and they, they've been vilified. Yeah, I know. Jordan Peterson and and you and I and Richard Spencer, David Duke, they're, well, that's all in the same bucket for them. I know. And Martin Luther King is going to be in that bucket, too. I, he's going to be. But I'm, I'm telling you that it's not about them. It's about or us. It's the common sense that people just know that makes no sense. They're getting they're pushing it so far. This is what they always yes. do. They're pushing it so far to where you have to be insane to believe it or a zombie. Look at Kamala Harris. She's 20 percent now. Joe, Joe Biden is 22 percent. She's such a dunce that when the Jussie Smollett thing happened, she n- no instincts when a noose. Uh, it's what's 30 below in Chicago that night. Right? And it's not Trump a town. Ski mask with hats on top of this. They had to get an extra size larger to get on top of the <laughs> big woolly ski mask. Yeah, OK. And you had the noose on. This, this story reeks. You know, the way racists talk. Right. Yo, what's up? I hate black people. <laughs> Yo, I see you on Empire. You suck. You ruined that show for us at the clan. At the clan management when we was watching Empire, yo. What? And Kamala Harris just knee-jerk goes, this is terrible. What's happening? This is not our America. This, yeah, I know it's not our America, dummy. Mm-hmm. That's why you should know this is bullshit. <laughs> and the idea of that woman being in charge of the strongest, most powerful country in the world and having that terrible of a bullshit detector is downright scary. Are you going to be, be able to differentiate between a hoax when it's a terrorist attack, a 9-11 coming up? And you're like, I'm not falling for this. This is no Jussie Smollett. <laughs> Let the jihadists fly. And her whole black thing is such a lie. Like Colin Kaepernick and Cory Booker and Melissa Harris Perry, all these people who grew up white. And they, they exaggerate their blackness to get black credibility. And it's so hard to see that they're lying. Her mother's Indian. She looks Indian. She was raised by a white dad. Went to school in Montreal. Hey, Kamala Harris, what are chitlins? Hey, Kamala Harris, who's Geraldine Jones? Uh, what percentage of the Wu-Tang Clan is Asian? Uh, what's the Asian guy's name in the Ghetto Boys? Like, she doesn't know anything. When black people go to the Chinese corner store in Philly, what do they usually get on their chicken? Salt, pepper, ketchup. She doesn't know any of that because it's not her culture. Her biological dad owns slaves. And she's sitting there talking about busing and segregation. Where in Montreal from the French school to the English school? (laughs) What are you talking about, you liar? Cory Booker's neighborhood was so white that his parents had to file legal papers because the neighbors were trying to prevent them from moving in. His, he probably grew up whiter than we did, but he invents a friend. Yo, I was hanging with my boy T-Bone. And and then black people go, yeah, uh, T-Bone is more like a Southern thing. We don't really call each other T-Bone. Yeah, we do. I'm always talking to T-Bone. He's a gangster. And they scoured Jersey City for T-Bone. He didn't appear. I guess he was in hiding, yo. (laughs) So it's such obvious lies. And these people are climbing up as presidential hopefuls. Sometimes I wonder if if this is all for naught. Like you're saying we have to dispel myths. Kamala Harris is the second most popular candidate because she's a black woman and she's not even really a black woman. How did we all fall for that?
Tell me about uh, tell me about Joe Biden. He's a creep. Uh, I have a funny theory about the molesting. It's the not, mo- it's wait, not the actually, molest. Well, the whole like. Uh-huh. Mm. <laughs> what instinct is that? I like I like you. We've <laughs> talked before. I see I you in person. The first right. thing I think is, oh, hair, <laughs> the last thing I want to do is go like. Mm. <laughs> <sighs> Let me smell that white hair. <laughs> It's, it's number 9 million and 36 right. on my things I'd like to do to Glenn Beck. Right. Let me just inhale Breathe it in. Glenn. Breathe it in. Breathe it in. <laughs> and then kids, Jesus Christ. I mean, especially in this day and age, you just, when you see a kid, you're like, hey, buddy, how you doing? <laughs> What's up, Buster? Hey, fist. I, everyone does high fives now. Have you noticed that? There's no more like, hi. Right. Right. I hug my own kids. That's about it. And even then they're sort of like, what are you doing? <laughs> Get off. <laughs> but one theory is if he's innocent and he's not a pedophile is that uh, he's obviously incredibly distraught about losing his son. Mm-hmm. I mean, that must play with your mind. Yeah. You still got to socialize and not ball your eyes out everywhere you go. So you take Xanax or one of these downers that are very similar. Sometimes Oxy is, you know, Oxy, for example, is exactly heroin. So you're on these opioids and junkies are very like touchy and scratchy and hey man what's going on <laughs> they're sort of like sloths like they're just sort of they're on you and you're like get off of me heroin addict sorry man what's going on dude I like your glasses what are those ray-bans you just drop my glasses that might be why so touchy feely but the real problem with joe he does is, use the word man a lot too just oh, yeah. like just like you were doing there hey, <laughs> yeah man. he's really groovy he's like uh, the freak brothers remember that comic book but joe's problem is he's been around for too long and you know we've become the left is not the left it was five years ago so, you know, we were talking about Barack and Hillary were anti-gay marriage, mm-hmm. pro-borders. They mm-hmm. want to build a wall back in 2004. Joe was part of all that. Mm-hmm. And the, the social media age is not going to let him forget it. So he's got too many old-timey traditional liberal values, which are now considered conservative values. Mm-hmm. What did Thomas Sowell say? You can go from a liberal to a conservative in 20 years without changing your views because it's the background that switches like an SNL mm-hmm. set. And he's still in that SNL set with a different background. And he's doomed. No chance he's going to be the guy. No chance. Who do you think it's going to be? I think it's going to be, I think Kamala Harris is going to make it up there. I think so too. And I think she's, I think she's dangerous because nobody is paying attention and they'll be like, I don't know. She seems nice. I kind of like her. Look, the new thing with the left is if you're white and you're male, step aside. Like, that's their mantra. Right. But the rest of America, I think the rest of America is, yeah, has this really bad thing. I mean, we had it when Lincoln was killed. I mean, we probably shouldn't have gone. Bad theater security? Yeah, no, but we, we probably shouldn't have gone. Hmm, okay. <laughs> um, Martin Luther King, we're just, we got to this place to where, you know, Martin Luther King, Malcolm X, RFK, everybody, everybody's killed. And we're just like, okay, did we do the Civil Rights Act thing back in 64? Okay, I think we're done with this. So let's just move on. And and still there's just this little poison that just needs to be, you know, So you lanced. think there's a, a sort of a national apathy I think there is a there's something I think there is a national feeling of I just I just I just want this to end. I just I always want this to end. And if they could if they can convince themselves that that person 
that person's just like me. And, and that person is, they're smart and, and they're nice. And, and you know what? I can be popular by liking this person. And I think that person is just going to bring us all together and stop the arguing. I think people will run. Americans are very busy and they're anti-political. And I think with Barack Obama, they said George W. Bush was embarrassing and all the Europeans thought we were dumb and they think we're racist. So let's just get a a, a eloquent black guy up there and then we can just stop thinking about it. Then they did that. And then the country got worse and more racial and more identity politics than ever before. And five hundred million dollars to Solyndra and all these terrible gaffes and an Islam problem. And then the dads said, oh, that didn't work. All right, hold on. Let me get off the couch. I, I, was, I call this election the Real Housewives election because it got women's asses on the couch and men's asses off the couch because mm. men don't like that show. And <laughs> they, women were like, I'm not voting for Hillary. She's, she, didn't she kill a bunch of rape victims? <laughs> I'm not interested in that. And then the dads went, God damn it, I'll take off my slippers. And they get their reading glasses <laughs> down. They, All right, I'm voting. And... Hopefully that's going to happen in this next election. But I think you're right. There's no heart. Like when you talk to Hillary supporters or even Kamala Harris supporters, you say, what's your favorite policy that she has? And it's nothing but identity politics. They have nothing to say. Who do you like uh, that's running in the DNC if you had to pick one? For what? For president. For what? None of them. But you have to. You don't like ultimatums, I've noticed. No, I don't. I remember uh, you said with the previous election, it's like putting a baby in a microwave or putting a baby in boiling oil. <laughs> <laughs> well, uh, yeah, this is the, all of them are like putting a baby in a microwave uh, after you've put them in boiling oil. Um, I, I, so I succulent? Would think, I would think <sighs> if I had to vote for somebody in the primary— I might go for Joe Biden because I think Joe Biden is so easily beatable. Everybody says that, oh, no, he's going to be tough. I don't think so. No. Because I think he looks really old. I think he's starting to kind of like, you know, (laughs) you know, Uh, and I think Trump will just steamroll him. I I think that's not the question, though. Who would be your favorite DNC candidate to become president? Trump is killed. Cory Booker, because I what? No, wait, 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 wait. <laughs> because I think he would be so absolutely uh, ineffective. I don't oh, think okay. there was one of those. Uh, yeah, I don't think there's any way because I mean he'd pull a Spartacus thing and everybody would be like, oh, "Shut up, man!" Yeah, Just I see what up. you're saying. He would be there's no he would not make any friends, be able to do anything because everyone would hate him. I had a conservative in Canada explain to me that that's why Justin Trudeau is great because he's so useless. He's such a Zoolander prime minister that he goes, "I don't want uh, anything to do with uh, Iran anymore." Uh, uh, Justin, they, they give us 15,000 jobs. Okay, let's do it. <laughs> Iran's back. So you're just like, all right, let's yeah. go over here and you sit down and I'll go run the country. Yeah. I don't think Cory Booker believes in, in much. I, I think he'll just, he just, he, he'll just go with whatever is, you know. Maybe his VP will be T-Bone. <laughs> and people go, where's the vice president? Oh, he's mad busy, y'all. He'll be here later, probably. He's on a different shift. He does the night shift. Who would you pick? I like Tulsi Gabbard. Why? Am I pronouncing that right? Mm-hmm. Uh, I like that she's anti-war. Uh, I think she's hot. 
<laughs> I don't. I won't mind looking at her for four right. years. Right. I love the little streak. Right. And she. I don't know. She seems to have balls. I might go for Marianne Williamson. Is that the love guru? Yeah. Can yeah. you imagine press conferences with her? <laughs> you imagine the State of the Union with her? Can be you fantastic. believe this shit show? I was. It's crazy. I, I will fight love. No, I will I'll fight, fight hate, hate with, with love. love. I'll see and, you on that battlefield. <laughs> and like Trump is at home going, <laughs> whoa, please love, not her. That's my Achilles heel. <laughs> <laughs> so, no! I, so I encrypted ah! Like he starts melting would, into the ground I'd love I would pay big money To see that I would pay big money to see a debate between Marianne Williams <laughs> And Donald Trump I was felt so embarrassed for the entire Left side of the oh, country I did. I did. When I saw that I was grim but there, was, there, there were several of those moments yeah, there are several of those moments. Oh, it was just a it was shocking. Who wants free health care for illegal aliens? <laughs> you mean the other seven billion people? <laughs> they all come here for heart transplants. <laughs> what are you talking about? It would be a very what's, bad idea. What's the uh, waiting list for a liver transplant <laughs> when you're up against seven billion other people? Eight thousand years. Good. Vampires can get liver transplants. All they drink is blood. Their livers are perfect. What a joke. What was the other crazy thing they all put up their hands for? Oh, yeah. Men who need abortions. <laughs> uh, that's called just taking a huge shit. It's not quite as consequential as a human. What are you talking about? Men can have babies. Yes. Men can have babies. They can have gallstones. That's pretty painful. <laughs> well, we don't know if that's a baby or not, because it's only a baby when we declare it to be a baby. Yeah, yeah, yeah. So it could be a baby or a gallstone the entire time. That's going to become the new threat with parents and toddlers. I swear to God, if you don't clean up your room, I'm going to abort you. <laughs> your days are numbered, buddy. It's illegal up until a year. No, illegal up. I think I've heard academics say that. In fact, Peter Singer. Peter Singer, Peter Singer, he's the chair of ethics at Princeton. And he said he said uh, up to the first year and then he came out and apologized <laughs> and he said, I shouldn't have put a date on it because it's really roughly <laughs> it's, it's roughly a year. But it's until they can recognize that there is a tomorrow. Once they can recognize there is a tomorrow at at any point, you can kill them. Prior to that or after that. So if you're getting old and you're like, oh, duh, and you don't understand the concept of tomorrow, you're not a person anymore. Which is sort of a, a common mentality in, in Northern Europe, the Netherlands and Finland. And mm -hmm. they, they euthanize like it's like it ain't no thing, mm -hmm. especially if they need organs in China. Um, but I had a professor in 1990, 1990. His name was Marvin Glass. He was the head of the Canadian Communist Party, and he was our teacher. And he said that back in 90. He said, the reason I chose a year is a monkey can do anything a human baby can at 11 months. So say you can have an 11-month baby like feed itself. A monkey can do that. Yeah, but um, but what? But, now I'm not human anymore because someone the, can do a trick? They're, they're the... the, the the potential here. It's the potential. <laughs> you know, I can kill them as long as they're acting like a monkey. No, but his mentality is like it hasn't been actualized yet. So it's OK. Sort of like if you destroyed a building and they hadn't even started the foundation, then it's not a big deal. 
That doesn't even make sense. I know. They, they, in both cases, it just seems like random metrics. Yeah. And we can, we can distill a human down to when is tomorrow and can you do tricks? <laughs> we do a lot more stuff, you know. <laughs> we philosophize. We invent things. I'd like to, I'd like to make that as our, our, uh, our questions in debates. Yeah. Is there a tomorrow? And can you do any tricks? <laughs> Sorry, you got it wrong. <laughs> there's never tomorrow when there's love. Uh, we have to kill it. You have to kill you now. Okay, I'm changing it. It's too late. <laughs> Whatever your name is. <laughs> Who the hell is she anyway? She's like Oprah's life coach oh, or yeah, something? Yeah. Course in Miracles. She's responsible for the Course in Miracles. What the hell are you doing there? I'm more qualified. No. You don't have enough love in you. <laughs> You're just full of hate. That is true. Will you tell tell um uh, tell me what happened in your uh, in your neighborhood last night? Because I know you. We started with your wife was upset at you, and oh yeah, my daughter's twelve, and you know twelve year olds they they get morose, and my wife's uh, you know abroad, and uh, she gets upset with my daughter's <laughs> acting morose, and she just says, "Why did we move to this neighborhood?" But it, it's. I, I can't list all the crazy shit that happened to me after that talk. I mean, I will in a book at some point, but it was, first of all, nine Proud Boys getting arrested. Three of them are facing serious jail time for defending themselves in an ambush. And this is because the DNC weaponized a silly fight that they didn't start, an ambush, and they mm -hmm. fought back. And then de Blasio, Cuomo, the attorney general all get on and have the same tweet basically that says, we don't tolerate hate in New York. And the story became, they were just like, <laughs> like cavemen roaming the streets, beating gays and Muslims for not agreeing with them. Yeah. You give it me. No. <laughs> Who's next? Which in New York City, if you did that, your club would just be destroyed <laughs> in like 10 minutes. Like you don't go gay bashing in New York City. Your hands would just be like the elephant man's hands. <laughs> I'm not even done with Chelsea yet. <laughs> yeah, go to Harlem uh, and dress as a Klan member and see how long you last. It's not exactly bigot central here. But, um, uh, and then it just kept going and they, it spread to my neighborhood. They put up posters all over my kids, the street on my kid's school that said uh, a Nazi and had all these quotes taken out of context and all these lies. And I actually met the woman who caught the guy and had him arrested and she said he just had on this catatonic stare. Like, what? What is happening? He talked like the doctor in 650-pound life. You know that? Excuse me. What are you doing? Why are you lying to me? You say you lose 60 pounds. You put on 40 pounds. I can't do the operation now. He was that kind of guy. So he clearly just answered a Craigslist ad and said, put these posters up. There was on the highway that leads to my, my village, a massive banner hanging off the highway that said, Gavin McInnes is a Nazi held down with water. And the, the state troopers are the only ones who can touch that. So the local cops said, I can't do anything about this. Um, then my rich neighbors put signs on my lawn that said, hey, does no home here. And then all the neighbors started doing it. It was like a, a thing they said they should do. Like there was an email chain saying, let's show him that love. We'll meet him on this battlefield and love him to death. And of course, the signs mean my family has no home here and I hate you mm -hmm. is what it really means, right? Mm -hmm. Um and then my, my daughter's math tutor quit and weird shit. Like it was, it just. You had, you lost a babysitter. 
My no, my babysitter stuck to her guns. Really? Yes, but her boyfriend was forced to break up with her because the parents didn't want him get their son getting any McKinnis germs on them in the cooties. Why did they, that boy listen to them, by the way? So the babysitter Because there dumped. are no boys. There are no boys <laughs> yeah. anymore. Okay, man. I'll dump her. <laughs> if <laughs> my parents told me to dump anyone after I was the age of maybe six, I would say it would just be white noise. I would have go. eloped. Yeah. <laughs> I would have eloped. Really? You don't want me to date her? I'm marrying okay, her. Okay, because there's one thing I'm thinking about when I make out with chicks. It's my parents. Yeah. <laughs> oh, wait. My mother doesn't enjoy this. Sorry. What the hell's the matter with him? But it gets, And the... the it was the number of people, so it was Antifa propaganda really that started it, but, and strange, you know, globalist money, expensive money going into uh, all of these, because there was a lot of stuff going on and endless articles, an article a day. And then, you know, the, the, the thing that bothered me, and it goes back to what we're talking about, about this incurious populace is they just went, oh, there's a banner there that some vandals put up. He's a Nazi. And this woman approached my wife and she said, hi, I think it's terrible what's happening to you and your family. I want to come over and talk to you and show you that it's just a small percentage of the community. And most of us just care about our kids and don't believe any of this. We don't mind. I hate Trump, but I don't care if other people like him. I, it's a free country. And my wife goes, I'd love to talk to someone. I feel so alone here. And the woman goes, okay, but I'm a Jew. Is that okay? Like my wife was going to go, Listen here, Jew. <laughs> Don't you ever call this house again. Why don't you tell me that at the beginning? <laughs> Ew, I gotta wash my ear hole now. Gross. What's your wife say? She went, what? Of course. What the hell do you think? I just moved here from New York City. You think I'm anti-Semitic? You know how exhausted I'd be? <laughs> yes, so come over. But when when is anyone, like anywhere... We don't have to go too far back, but look at like any normal civilized Western home saying, uh, yeah, it's you're not bringing Sandy, by the way. I don't have Jews in my house. But that's what people are now starting to believe, that there's all these places there where there's were no the, blacks, no Jews, no dogs. There were those places. Yes. But we have moved. Past, it's like the left is stuck in 1960. But what's crazy is. We had the 60s, then the 70s, then the 80s, it was pretty much over, and we're all joking about it mm -hmm. on Archie Bunker's mm -hmm. place. And then the 90s, it was truly dead. 2000s, all right, let's start our lives now and put all that in the past. Right. And then all of a sudden, someone grabbed 1960, 1950 yeah. even, yeah. and then just runched it up into 2016 because of Trump, I guess. Now, that's a, a ludicrous thing to do, but for everyone to go, yep, the my childhood never happened, and America but is I a think racist hellhole. I think that's why... I think that's that that's the biggest lie. We have the media, the media on both coasts and the coasts are and the universities are all pumping this out into yep. our system. But the average person in the average town in America is not this way. They're not feeling this way. And Charles Murray talked about this in yes. coming apart. He said this one group is getting so separated. Remember, he's got that that chart you can do. Mm -hmm. It's a little test. Mm -hmm. It says things like, have you, have you had a non-craft beer in the past week? Have you seen a Transformers movie? Mm -hmm. It's all these silly little metrics mm -hmm. to see how separated and elitist you've become. And that's the, the, I think Ezra Levant calls them the five P's. It's like the professors. When he says police, he means like police chiefs, not mm -hmm. rank and file. Um, the, the, the politicians and the media, I forget, the papers, yeah. Mm -hmm. And it's the this tiny group. I would say that they're like 
five to 10% of the population. I think so too. And they're controlling the, the conversation for the whole country. And with all this big tech censorships, they're really ramping up this control and it's making them a really uneventful bubble. That's like, if you check Twitter recently, it's just, I want to kill Trump and it's horrible. Me- I can't believe women give birth to men. They made these sexists was something that Chelsea Peretti said, or Sarah Silverman is bitching about the fireworks saying she wants to punch them all in the head. Cause they're scaring her dog. And then you have Bette Midler pissed <laughs> off that Trump isn't smiling enough at the fireworks saying, these are my fireworks I paid for that you don't appreciate. Cause in the picture, he's got a De Niro New York face, which is like, that's, that's a smile in New York. <laughs> oh, I'm, I'm a grandfather. <laughs> that's him being ecstatic. And that's without these checks and balances and people going, hey, um, th- that's, not, that's a New York face is something I could have said to that tweet, but we can't discuss with them anymore. Yeah. They've been separated and they're easier to control that way in this crazy bubble of brainwashing. And the rest of us aren't sitting here going, wow, these guys are really got their finger on the pulse with white supremacy. The rest of us are just going, you've lost your minds. And I always say this is distinctly un-American, this pattern we're in now, because as you know, before the revolution along the East Coast, there's all these newspapers that the Brits encouraged and they encouraged dissension. That's the word. Mm -hmm. They encouraged conflict and arguing. And eventually we got talking so much left and right. The Brits said, let's have conservative papers and liberal papers. And they were talking so much that they eventually figured out, you know, these stupid gun things they make us go to at the tavern every week. Mm-hmm. We can use these guns to start a revolution where we don't pay the king any tax. And then we created America based on free speech. And now we have don't no more papers. They all have to be the same and you can't talk to each other. Well, that's not American. So what are you what are you doing now? I mean, I it's if you weren't wearing the killer uh, Hawaiian you, shirt, since I mean, you fired me, I yeah. started my own thing, <laughs> freespeech.tv. Right, uh, and it's it's it's. I think it might be the only thing we're we can do at least right now is start our own platforms. Have to behind a paywall where Adam Carolla describes it as his own pirate ship. Mm-hmm. I see it more as an ark, and the rain is coming down hard Mm -hmm. and i just got the last two giraffes on it's awkward because they hate each other but i'm like guys (laughs) you have to work it out or giraffes are done (laughs) but i got them on in june 1st and uh it's paying for itself it's profitable and i can say whatever i want and you know what's funny too now that I can say whatever I want, there's no bigotry or prejudice this lie that it's just waiting to come out Like I worked at Rebel Media for Ezra and there was no HR there. You could grab a girl's ass and make all the tit jokes you want. And we all got along amazingly. I had this joke I would do where I'd undo my pants and my belt and I would walk over and I'd let my pants fall down. And I did it to males and females. And I go, God damn it, this belt. I'm sorry about that. And do up my pants again. It's it's like Benny Hill levels right, of comedy. Right, I did right. it at the gym the other day. Mm-hmm. I was skipping rope and my pants started falling down. And I was like, John, can you get this, please? I can't stop. <laughs> Especially when you wear Y fronts. It really helps the joke. And... Uh, Everyone, like there was zero harassment. This idea that we're these monsters that have to be controlled is this we mentality that I'm better than you. 
So I'll just I'll hold down your evil and let you do things like a like I'm a corrections Which usually officer. Usually, people who see that I mean I'm I'm convinced you see the flaws in others that you recognize from yourself. Yeah. You know what I mean? Oh, I think so, when you hate someone, it's because you recognize something that you hate about yourself. Correct. And and I think for the left to just assume that all of us have this deep hatred inside of us says a lot about them. Yeah. Well, they talk about uh, genocide and, and how we want to we don't want trans people to live and we don't want fat people to exist. By the way, you're doing a much better job of killing you than I am. <laughs> right. A 600 pounder. Um I saw this picture of a woman in a so fat she's in a wheelchair and it said, we are the future. It's like, I'm watching you dying right now. <laughs> right. And you're ta- bragging about how you're going to be around for a long time. You got 10 years in you lady. <laughs> <laughs> but, um, uh, Oh, I think I forgot what I was talking about this, this, Oh yeah. They talk about genocide, how we have to kill all these people. We want to kill the trans and kill the fats and kill the gays. But when you look at socialism, that's what they end up doing. Yes. And I think part of the depersoning is because they want us dead. Like people, if, if look at what happened in Venezuela, Venezuela, five to 9,000 people. Now a a, a, a UN report has come out five to 9,000 people have been killed by the government in the last six months because they were all the ones that either disagreed with the government, disagreed with the policy. So they were standing in the way you, 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 you nudge, you push, you shove, then you shoot. Yep. That's the way it happens. And right now we're up to the shove part. We really are. And socialism has lost its stigma. Like they say, well, this isn't Venezuela. There's plenty of money around and we're just going to distribute it in a fair and equitable way. And they use these juvenile analogies like if Johnny has 10 building blocks and Joey has one, (laughs) shouldn't Jimmy and Joey be able to share? And you're like, I don't know how we got the building blocks. Maybe he busted his ass. (laughs) And this guy could have been just spending building blocks like they were nothing. I'm not redistributing it. But yeah, they don't seem to understand that socialism leads to genocide. And sometimes I worry they don't care. Like, no USA at all. Doesn't that imply a lot of dead bodies? Mm-hmm. And Coulter, if she died and there was a picture of her with their brains hanging out, that would become a meme. Oh, yeah. And there'd be a funny saying around Look it. at the head with, uh, with what's her name, the comedian. Oh, yeah. You know, with Kathy Griffith. Kathy Griffith. I mean, I couldn't have done that. You couldn't have done that. To Barack Obama, can you imagine? Remember there was a rodeo clown who dressed? I know you're sensitive about rodeo clowns. <laughs> <laughs> One of your fellow rodeo clowns yes. dressed up as Barack Obama, and he was fired. There's a massive outrage because yeah. it was so racist. Yeah, and they, yeah, yeah. they go, we dress like every president every yeah. year. This goes back to Lincoln. Right. It's definitely a double standard, but it's there's something with the left that's so macabre. And it comes, I think, from cool culture, you know, heroin addicts, junkies and too fast to live, too Mm -hmm. young to die. And I hope I die before I get old. Yeah. And it was it's a cool thing that 19 year olds say. But now that's become mainstream. And now death is fine. And you can have an abortion uh, uh, after the baby's born, celebrate and euthanasia. We should do this and we should just kill these people. And it's it's a strange phenomenon because I don't want my enemies to die. I don't have that vitriol. I don't. Again, I don't think most Americans do. I think most Americans can live side by side with each other. I could live Definitely. next to I could live next to Ben and Jerry for the rest of my life. I do. And be and be happy 
that, you know, they're making ice cream and they're successful. Just don't try to force me to believe the things that you believe. Right. And I have no problem with that. Don't we tread just, on me. Right. Well, my neighbors wear pussy hats, you know, geriatric old ladies in pussy hats. And I just laugh because that's from a joke on a bus. So you have a joke on your head. And I just go, <laughs> I don't go, what? I have to put signs on your lawn. We have to argue. I heard later that some, there was a Jewish guy at a bar that saw I was there and he left because he felt unsafe. The only person that's going to get hurt is me. Like Tommy Robinson and I were banned from Australia because we might have, that might induce violence. The only violence that's going to go down is against us. We're the ones who need bodyguards. Like I, I always, th I see Chris Hayes and Rachel Maddow and mm. they're always pictured with their kids. It's mm -hmm. like going on a bike ride. Tucker we're can't never. show his kids. You can't show your kids. Never. I'd love to show my kids. I, I, if I rub out their eyes, if I, if I ever take a picture of them, I have to make sure that, you know, it doesn't go anywhere or mm -hmm. they're not showing their faces. Mm -hmm. And it doesn't that say a lot about the left versus the right. And then another tricky thing about it too is, so now you can't show your kids and now you're easier to dehumanize and now you're easier to kill. So deplatform, deperson, and now you're just killing a useless droid and nothing an irrelevant human being who's not a family man. How did this go from comedy to? <laughs> <laughs> well, that's another problem, too, with this climate. Like Sarah Silverman contacted me recently because we were we were friends back before the world turned to shit. And uh, we just started fighting right away. And she said, look, I just contacted you because we're this inside joke, whatever. And I didn't want to fight. And you're never going to change my mind. I'm never going to change your mind. And we sort of we won't talk for another 10 years. But it's because of the climate we're in. You know, they say, oh, I heard you were a Nazi that kills people. And so you're sitting there defending yourself mm -hmm. and you can't joke around because you have to dispel about 30 myths. <laughs> and it bothers me when people know you. People know you. You know, it, it, people say those things about me and I'll be like, how long have you known me? Oh, look at um, Alan Dershowitz, you know, totally dis disowned by all his friends. For what? For not hating Trump? I saw that Antifa had this seminar, sort of like a hit list, where they showed everyone who's going to be at the free speech rally and then listed all the horrible things about them. And I was, I was watching it and I was ready to see mine, quotes taken out of context and meaning construed. And then I read the bullet points and they're all true. And I'm reading them going, yeah, this is your reasons to kill. And one of them, the horrific things, the bullet points was, says most women would be happier at home. And I'm reading it going, I think that's a pretty good theory. And why do you want to kill me? Because I have a theory. I'm not Mao. This isn't a dictum. It's never going to affect you. I don't have death squads that are going to go to cubicles and remove women <laughs> as they scream or have a fake mustache. Hi, I'm a man. Don't tell Gavin McInnes. I can't ruin your life. So why do you want to kill me? It's bizarre. And sometimes a lot of these leftists, they do have crazy positions that become policies. You know, like, look at Chicago, this lie that cops are out to kill blacks, hunt them for sport, became so mainstream, this silly idea, and they are so powerful, the establishment left, that cops stopped going to the south side of Chicago because they'd lose their pension, they'd lose their career, they'd get sued. Mm -hmm. And what happened? Complete war zone. Mm -hmm. Bigger death toll than New York City, even though we're three times the size. Mm -hmm. So you have the power. Your crazy ideas change lives. I'm just a guy talking. And you're trying to shut down my life and ruin my kid's life and my wife's life and fucking kill me and kill you. Try to 
teach everybody else around you a lesson. Yeah. That's why your website is important. Thank you. Really important. I would like you to come over so I could fire you. <laughs> uh, I'm sorry. I, I don't know if my limousine goes into those, <laughs> those parts of town. It is in a pretty shady part of Brooklyn. <laughs> Thank you very much. Thanks for having me. I, I know you didn't fire me. I'm just joking, obviously. But I really appreciate you giving me the chance to I, I, say my... Gavin, and, and, and I hope you know this. I mean, I had you on, you know, I, I was thinking you were coming down the the next week to uh, to be on my show uh, as well. I, I'm a big fan of yours. My son-in-law. Uh, He's is, borderline gay for me. Oh, no, he's getting no, he, he'd get naked with you. I think he would, <laughs> he would just as well, I'm willing to try. Yeah, <laughs> we should be willing to try these things. You should be open minded. We're all it's a spectrum, right? Yeah. I'm two spirit. Yeah. But anything I can do to help. I think we have to start standing together or we are going to be picked off one by one. Yeah, I'm not trying to get the last word, but I totally agree with you. And that's something that I've always been impressed with you uh, about is is this whole idea of coming together. And I never talked shit about any never Trumpers like Shapiro. There's sort of two sides now. There's mm-hmm. like the Shapiro Crowder side. And then there's the Cernovich, you know, more mm-hmm. more right side. And they hate each other's guts. And Milo always talks about Ben Shapiro. And I never did any of that. Because we're at war now and we need all the Indians and all the French and all the Mm -hmm. Irish. We all need to be unified against the king. Yes. Only way to win. Thanks, Kevin. Thanks. Just a reminder, I'd love you to rate and subscribe to the podcast and pass this on to a friend so it can be discovered by other people. 